Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that prides themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro Who? Jim Bob Foley? Holy moly. Oh. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop with the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi-weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will it's it's trade deadline week, so it is uh, one of the one of the best weeks of the whole year, as far as I'm concerned. So I'm doing pretty well. It is NBA Christmas when it comes to uh, it comes to random drama in the NBA. Uh, special guest today, fellow staff writer at the Kings Herald, yogurt pie enjoyer, and uh, he's disappointed. Dwayne Dedman is in San Antonio today. Our friend Tim Maxwell, <laughs> how's it going? He's still tradable. He just can't be combined with other salaries. These moves can still be made. We're, we're not worried yet. The Deadman Hive is not worried. There are dozens of us. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping we have a trade break or something during this recording. That all, that's always fun. And I'm hoping it's a Deadman trade to the Kings. <laughs> the Deadman deadline is coming up on Thursday. So let's get right into it. He's a former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer. It's the true pride of French like himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, it is an absolute pleasure to have you here today. How's it going? Well, it's great to be with you guys, uh, as uh, always, and uh, looking forward to the show. And, uh, you know, got a lot to talk about. Absolutely, we do. So we'll, we're going to run through some of the, the the teeth pulling before we get to all the fun stuff first. So uh, the Sacramento Kings have gone uh, three and four since last we spoke with losses to the Raptors, Timberwolves, Pacers, and what essentially amounts to the Pelicans bench plus C.J. McCollum. Uh, they've, they've gone off for wins against the Wolves, the Spurs, and a, a fairly cathartic blood against the worst team in the West with the Houston Rockets on Monday night in Houston. Uh, guys, we're kind of in the dog days of the league when it comes to games. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was out a couple of those uh, losses. Uh, the All-Star break is looming. How much do you guys really take um, out of the uh, minor slippage of the last few weeks in terms of the Kings play? Well, uh, for me, I think it's a little bit of a concern, uh, more than maybe a little bit, because uh, I'm looking at five teams behind the Kings that are heading the other way and getting healthy, and plus are probably, in some cases, more talented when they're healthy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm concerned, uh, you know, but it is what it is. But uh, the, this team... Is a bit of a flawed team. We know we knew that going in, and and uh, they they're still where they are. They're third, so happy can't, about that. Can't really ask for anything better for a flawed team than to be third in the West right now. 
All right, Tim, Tony, what do you guys think? Is there a, is there any uh, cause, real real cause for concern with the Kings uh, slipping of late? I don't think it's a huge deal. As Jerry said, there's a lot of teams right behind them. The West is so tight this year. Um, there's a two and a half game separation between third and, sorry, uh, three game separation between third and ninth right now. So things are really, really tight. You have the Pelicans kind of falling off. You got a couple other teams kind of charging up. Phoenix looks better. Mini looks better. So uh, to your point, Will, they're in third. They've remained in third. They haven't fallen out of third, but that gap seems to be narrowing. They really just need to get back to what made them great. They've been in a shooting slump, which is a little concerning. Shooting will go away, and that's why we kind of want them to enhance that defense over the next couple of days to the trade deadline because during the playoffs or in a postseason run, you, your shooting is going to fail you at some point. You need something to fall back on. That's not something they have right now. So that's something I hope they address in the next couple of days. Yeah, I'm not overly concerned either. I guess the the toughest part is that two of those losses were without De'Aaron Fox, and this is a team that has had incredible injury luck. And I, I think maybe more than anything else, that's why they're in third right now, because the West is so tight. And you see what happens. Obviously, Fox is an extremely important player for this team, but uh, you lose him, you lose two games. The Pelicans' loss was maybe the worst one of the year. So if the Kings stay healthy, I guess I'm not worried, but they're kind of due to have some players miss some games here down the stretch. And that's where things can get uh, really sketchy with how tight the West is. So um, it's great that they're still in third, but yeah, it's a, it's a tight race and uh, injuries here and there could make a major difference. Jerry, I'm curious. Um, how would you as a GM or, or as a coach as well, handle players looking not just towards the, the week off with the all-star break coming up, but like the trade deadline, um, is this like a, an office place at Christmas time thing where it's just human nature to lag or kind of feel nervous about, you know, getting, getting fired from your job or getting sent somewhere else. So there's, there's a bit of anxiety around this time, or is this something that you can, as a, as a coach, as a GM, as a player control a little bit and, and just buckle down and get to work? Well, I think you can uh, try to control it a little bit, but as you said, you know, there is anxiety. Uh, I think what you really want to do is be as honest with players as you can, whether coach or GM, if in fact they are in trade rumors, uh, say so. And if they're not, make sure they know they're not. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the best you can do because with the exception of just, you know, a few players, everybody's a little bit on edge because teams are looking to change and to get better. Even good, you know, even if you're winning, you're looking to get better. So, so I, I think that's about all you can do is just, you know, go to the guys that are rumored uh, and tell them the truth, whether it's some truth to it, you know, and sure. most players, I mean, most players understand it's a business. Is there, is there any reason I, I hear quite a bit? This is only my curiosity here. You hear quite a bit that like players like, oh, I found out when everybody else did. Like, oh, I found out on Twitter or I found out when I came across the newswire at ESPN. Is there any reason why you would uh, throw some sub subterfuge at a player saying, oh, no, no, you're not a part of something? Uh, or is this something that you pretty much should always be honest with those guys? Well, I think, I mean, I really think honesty is the best policy all the time. I mean, I know sometimes it's hard. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think there's any anything you gain by uh, lying to a player. Uh, you know, you can always be telling the truth in one day and the next day it could change. But that doesn't keep you from telling the truth the next day, which is what is the truth. Uh, so, uh, no, I mean, with uh, the league like it is and I mean, certainly keep their agents 
prized as well, sadly, because you have to. <laughs> sure. I, I, I didn't like apprising them of anything, but you, <laughs> you have to. We got a lot to talk about tonight, so I didn't want to stick too much on a on on uh, commiserating a three and four record over the last two weeks while we're still sitting at third place. So I wanted to move on to uh, some more happy stuff. I wanted to just some more delightful or at least some uh, more scandalous things here. Uh, All-Star selections are out. Um, not too many surprises, I guess I'd say. Uh, the one in Sacramento that kind of got everyone in an uproar is that uh, DeMontis Sabonis was named an All-Star Reserve and congratulations to him. De'Aaron Fox was not. And I'm curious only because I've seen debate over this over the last week, basically. Um, in your guys' opinion, is, is this a snub to De'Aaron or is this just a matter of there's a 15, there's 15 players worthy of it and only 12 slots. Well, well, my opinion real quickly is that I, I mean, he deserves to be an all-star. I'll say that. I, I mean, I think uh, DeAnthony Edwards and CJ McCollum deserve to be all-stars as well. I don't think as, as much as, as De'Aaron, but uh, that's always the case. And, and I, I wouldn't really throw anybody under the bus that's on there. That's a guard. You know, I, I have heard some people have a different opinion about Shea Gilgis Alexander. I sure don't. I, I think the guy's been terrific. And uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's what it is. I mean, I think uh, for the Kings, it's just new territory in the last 15, 18 years to have two guys who are deserving of all-star appearances. Tony, Tim, what do you guys think about De'Aaron Fox not making the all-star team? I thought it was interesting that, uh, you know, we're in Sacramento, so sometimes you you can, or at least I have the fear that sometimes I'm too um, charitable to Kings players in thinking they deserve it. But I, the the story out of the all-star selections was that Fox was the snub nationally. I think it was Anthony Edwards even said that he wasn't surprised that he didn't make it. He was surprised that Fox didn't make it, which is kind of interesting and, and nice to hear. Uh, all the guys on ESPN were were really, uh, and, and the TNT guys are talking about how they thought Fox deserved it. I thought he did too, but it was always going to be a tight race. And with the injuries that are coming up in the Western Conference, he's probably going to make it anyways. Uh, I think that is where I will be a little bit more upset, confused, whatever word you want to use, is if he also doesn't make it after these injury replacements are announced. But um, one of the reasons why I didn't get too upset in the moment is because this always happens. Players get injured and, and guys step up to replace them. And I think Fox has to be on that short list. I think we're looking at Steph Curry and and um, uh, Zion Williamson as two injury replacements. I feel like there's probably another – there's four guys that probably deserve it, and with two slots available, Fox has got to be at least one of those spots. Tim, what do you think? Do you feel like a Fox is a shoe-in for an injury replacement for, for, a, for an all-star slot? Yeah, I would be much more shocked if he wasn't an injury replacement than by him missing the initial all-star roster. Honestly, they just need to expand the rosters to 14 or 15. I don't really understand why it's 12. Um, there's so many talented players in the league right now that you know you had guys in the East too that seemed like they deserved it and they didn't get in either. Um, I don't know why the league wouldn't do that. Doesn't really hurt anything. And I think too with Fox, he's a he's a player coming from an obviously we all know an unsuccessful franchise will last forever. And anytime you have a smaller market team with a with a guy kind of up and coming like Fox is he's usually going to have a one-year delay where someone's going to get in ahead of him when it's close. And then I think from this season on, assuming Fox continues the level of play he's playing at and the Kings continue the level of play they're playing at, we're going to see Fox as a three, four, five, six, seven times, seven times all-star. Um, so he may be getting a year late, as we've all mentioned. If he doesn't get in as an injury replacement, that would be pretty ridiculous. I, I really don't see anyone ahead of him right now. The league agrees. I feel like the coaches should agree. 
I'll be surprised if he doesn't make it as an injury replacement. And I think we'll see him in the game from now on. Tim, that's the most optimistic I think I've ever heard you saying that as long <laughs> as the Kings continue to play at a, at a pace that keeps him around third best in the Western conference, Fox is a five, six, seven time all-star. Just you'll be, Hear me when we trade for Deadman in the next two days, and then I'll be super, super <laughs> Oh, Oh, my goodness. Ooh. Oh, no. Ooh. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so similarly, uh, we saw Keegan Murray was named to the Rising Stars game. Um, he's had a fantastic season so far. Um, Davion Mitchell, who was named last year to the Rising Stars game, was not named this year. Are any of you guys surprised by that? Are any of you guys feeling like this is a snub, or do you just feel like, this is more on Davion and the role he's currently playing with the Kings where he, he's not one of those guys that uh, that should be playing on, on, on a roster like that. Well, well, my opinion on Davion is, yeah, it's just uh, as much the role as anything. Obviously, he's got a lesser role. His stats aren't as good. Uh, I don't think he's played as good, partially because, you know, I as I've said many times, I, and I don't think the coach has done anything wrong don't get me wrong. is that Davion's a guy the more he plays the better he plays and 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 I think he's the type of guy because he his his game is wearing somebody down and and getting into him and and just being a pain in the ass uh, which he is but it's harder to be really good in that role in five minutes here and five minutes there so uh no I don't it doesn't surprise me or disappoint me. Uh, obviously, Keegan's been terrific. And, you know, he had a couple of walkabout games where he didn't didn't know if he's still playing basketball or took a nap. <laughs> but uh, but I, I just love the guy. I mean, uh, of course, one last thing I got to say on this. The Kings have the most deadpan players in the entire league. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Barnes. Davion and Keegan, man, they, we got three guys that uh, I swear, you know, if you get a smile out of them, you, it just makes makes your day. Trey Lyles needs to be in that group too, I think. Yeah. It's a good day when you get to see it. When Harrison Barnes, he has this little flex when he dunks on somebody or hits a big shot. That's when I know the Kings are rolling. Whenever I see Harrison Barnes do his little two-arm flex, like he's mm -hmm. like the Hulk, then I'm like, all right, the Kings are on a roll. Harrison Barnes is acting up. If we could ever get Keegan Murray to that level, I would probably have a stroke. I, I feel like there'd be something wrong with him. I'd have, start worrying about you, him. Have you watched his brother play? I've no. watched, tried to watch his brother a couple of games at Iowa. I mean, it, of course, he's an identical twin, sure. and he is an identical twin. I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I swear, I think, did Keegan go put on an Iowa jersey again? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, now he's different. I, I mean, certainly a little difference in talent for sure, but uh, but just the looks and how they conduct themselves is, I, I, you know, couldn't be any more similar than the, you know, shows how old I am, the Van Arsdale twins of of 40 years ago or whatever. Sure. Were, were either of you, were, were either of you, I'm used to having three, Tim. Um, were any of you uh, guys surprised by anyone who got into the the, the either side of the all-star game were you guys shocked to see a guy like jaron jackson jr or paul george make it over some of the other guys that didn't were there any uh, storylines for you that stood out uh jaron jackson jr was probably my biggest surprise but he's also a defensive player of the year candidate 3.3 blocks a game um, i think the grizzlies have the best or one of the best defenses in the league so he's the one i probably would have replaced fox with if i had my druthers but i don't um other than that i i thought the picks were fine i didn't think there was anyone crazy in there tony are you upset that uh that tyrese halberton made his first all-star appearance no 
I mean, there's an element of the Kings gave up a really good player and he's already an all-star that is upset is not the right word. It's a word that I, I can't find right now for that feeling, that emotion of seeing this guy flourish on another team. But I was happy for him. He deserved it. So no complaints here. And he'll probably be on that team uh, for a decade or so at this point. You know, I, I did think Rick Brunson really should have been an all-star in the East. Yeah. And, and I honestly think he's probably had a little better year than Ty- Tyrese. But, uh, you know, Julius Randle's kind of a given. And so it's one of those things. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a beauty contest. And uh, sometimes the prettiest girl doesn't always win. Yeah. Jerry, were you surprised that Laurie Markkinen made it? He felt like the guy to me that would end up being the snub. I always kind of felt like, all right, the Jazz are kind of there. They were overperforming earlier, and now they're kind of slipping a little bit. He always felt like the guy that's like, oh, next year, he's the guy that's going to end up making the All-Star team. Like in the same way that Fox has been once or twice before. Were, were any of you guys uh, uh, shocked? Not shocked, I guess, but were any of you guys surprised that Laurie Markkinen actually got the job done and, and was an All-Star? Boy, that guy was, no, not me. Uh, I'd, I'd have been now he deserved to be an all-star and that guy is coming fast you know I mean we may be looking at Dirk Nowitzki the second or something you know he's a big big time tough cover okay so before we get to uh to the hypotheticals that I want to jump in this the reason we dragged Tim out here tonight um I, I actually we have to jump into something that actually happened today um it was reported that the Nets are uh, sending Kessler Edwards uh Sacramento's way uh, for uh, some cash and the rights, or I guess the Kings are getting cash in Kessler Edwards for the rights to someone named David Michinow. And uh, so guys, do you have, you guys have any thoughts rattling around in your head about uh, the Kings taking a flyer on a forward that seems to be more of a G league piece than somebody for their roster uh, this season? Take all the flyers on three and D wings. You can, I mean, this is literally a free player. Um, the cash considerations, I don't know this, I'm assuming that the Nets paid for his salary this year with this with the cash considerations. That's usually what goes down in these deals. The Nets wanted to shed him to shed uh, tax money. The Kings take on his salary, and then the Nets pay his salary to the Kings. So that way they don't have to pay it. And the Kings literally gave up nothing. So what's the worst that happens? They cut him, or he goes to the G League, or he's a player, right? Even if he's a, a 13th guy, a 12th guy, 11th guy, there's really no risk here. Um, it was interesting, Woj did – did tweet at some point that like they are planning for him to go to the G league, but the trade deadline is still a couple of days away. Other things may happen. Now they can't consolidate him into another trade. So it would be odd for them to, to move him again, but they could cut him if they need open roster spots or something like that. So for me, like the trade is not a, like a home run. It's maybe a single if that, but it's, it's not a strike. You can't strike out on this kind of trade. I don't see any level of criticism for it. There's really no risk and maybe a medium-sized reward for me. Tony, is this is this anything more than uh, than this season's version of the Fiondu Kabengali trade, where you're just trading for a big defensive guy that maybe works out and maybe you can cut for nothing at all? I think it could be a, a little bit more. I mean, I, I'm more excited than I was with Cabanelli, but that doesn't mean a whole lot either. I wasn't very excited about it. But Kessler Edwards, at least uh, I was looking at the Brooklyn perspective on this a lot because it's oh, it's somewhat interesting when a, when a young player gets traded this early for nothing. Um, and the Brooklyn take seems to me that he had a really strong rookie year and lost his confidence somewhere along the way. Uh, Brooklyn has been a team under a lot of turmoil. It's, it couldn't have been the easiest place to develop, although Cam Thomas looks uh, crazy right now. 
Uh, but Kessler, I, I, like if you're looking for young players to swipe from a, from a team, Brooklyn is definitely an organization I would target as someone who probably didn't have a lot of attention on him. Development has not been what Brooklyn is trying to do with young players, although they do have a, a few nice ones. So I like it as a shot and I, I like Mike Brown's staff. It's, it's fun and odd to say this from a, from a player coming to the Kings, but I actually really like Mike Brown's staff as a place to kind of develop and maybe fix a young player that had a rough time somewhere else. Um, especially with the Doug Christie connection, if there's anything there, they both went to the same college. So uh, there, there's a few things here that, that make Kessler, Kessler Edwards a little bit more appealing than, than your regular, I guess, luxury tax dump type move, but I guess we'll see what happens. I'm not going to, not going to count on any, any magic this season, but who knows. Jerry, how, uh, how, uh, how pumped are you for the Pepperdine connection here? Is we got a player here in uh, Kessler Edwards? Well, I'm, I'm kind of pumped and for this reason. I texted uh, Doug Christie and I exchanged a few texts and I told him, I said, damn, it's great to see, finally see a good player from Pepperdine on the roster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> but he, he's telling me, he said, yeah, but he, you know, he said, you know, he thinks the kid's got a chance. He knows him pretty well and thinks he's got a chance. And so that makes it a good deal. You know, that yeah. makes it a good deal right there. You know, uh, Obviously, he was a 44th pick in the draft. Uh, he's got some nice length, and yeah, there's no risk. And uh, another really, far as I'm concerned, smart move by Monty, and maybe it turns out to be something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so now we get to go into the hypotheticals. This is this is what I uh, this is what I was excited for. It's what I was thinking about all day in terms of having three very good minds and myself um, sitting here talking about who could be on the on the roster here. Uh, come Thursday at, at 3 p.m. So I've got a list of players here that are linked to the Kings. Uh, obviously, if something comes out between now and when the podcast drops, Tony will yell at me and we'll we'll throw them in too. But <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a list of four guys that I'm curious about, not just their fit on the Kings, but what you feel like they would cost and whether or not you feel like it would be worth it to attain these guys. So um, the first one is the guy I'd be most excited about, I feel like. Uh, I assume it'd be the same for you guys. Uh Jared Vanderbilt with the Utah Jazz has been linked to the Sacramento Kings a little bit there. Um, Jerry, do you feel like uh, that would be a fit worth uh, exploring? And, and yeah, would it be exploring <laughs> worth the cost? Well, yeah, I don't know what the cost would be, but uh, I'd want to find out because sure. I think he uh, checks a lot of the boxes. Uh, you know, you don't know just exactly how much better he's going to get, but uh, you got to like what you see and the potential and you know, the fit, you know, I think he, like say, he, he's the kind of young athlete you're looking for. I think. I want to ask Jerry if he would trade Davion for Jared Vanderbilt. Cause I know Jerry is a, is a big Davion fan, but that seems to be the price that's kind of floating out there. So I'm interested, Jerry, what do you got on that? You know, I might, I might just, <laughs> this, this uh, hurts my heart, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, it, it's, you know, you're trying to get better and yeah. you've, you've got a, a pretty strong guard line and, and you probably need a, a big athletic big that can play a couple spots more than you need the backup point at this point. I mean, especially when I look at Monk's development as a little better ball handler than I'd counted on. So, so yeah, I'd, yeah. Tony, I'd have to think about it. Tim, what are you giving up for the Vandalorian? Davion, that was the price I said I would I would limit. I mean, they're asking for a first round pick. We don't have really have a first round pick to give. The Kings really have one truly 
first roundish pick asset in their cupboard right now, and that's Davion Mitchell. So if they want to make that type of upgrade, they're going to have to spend that type of asset. There were some some talks. I don't remember who reported it around maybe a player in second round picks could get done for Vanderbilt. If that's the case, yeah, pull the trigger all day long. Uh, but yeah, I would give up Davion for him. I think he plays a position, a higher position of importance. He's actually younger. Um, his contract situation, I always like to bring that up. He is going to be a UFA, unrestricted free agent after next year, but the Kings would have full bird rights. And I'll just real quickly, full bird rights mean you can pay a, a player whatever contract you want and go over the cap to pay him whatever you want. So there's no player control, but if the Kings wanted to keep Vanderbilt after next season, his, uh, his $4.6 million salary, they certainly could. They need defense. They need perimeter defense. They, like Jerry said, they need a young athletic wing. Um, I think Tony mentioned this another time when we were talking. He's also a little bit of Harrison Barnes insurance um, in case that doesn't go how you want it to, or if he takes over for Barnes down the road, if you give Barnes a two- or three-year deal. So, yeah, I would trade Davion for him, and he would probably be my number one or number two priority for the Kings in the, in the deadline. So another guy that we, uh, we've we been bandying about, uh, both on the Kings Herald and on Twitter, um, is uh, a guy, uh, Mason Plumleaf with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Jake Fisher uh, reported today that Sacramento continued to be the team most often connected to Plumlee by league personnel. And I'm curious, you guys, what you feel about the fit, how much you think he'd cost, and whether or not you feel like a guy like Mason Plumlee uh, would, be, uh, would be worth it for the, uh, for the Kings to acquire. Well, you know, I, I like Mason Plumley quite a bit. I just don't know that, uh, well, I'd rather have Vanderbilt just because. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think with Plumley, I'm not sure how he fits with uh, Domas. Uh, and, and so if he doesn't, then you're talking about a 12-minute player. And so how much do you give up for that? I mean, he, he's a, a surprisingly good passer. Uh, he's going to rebound. He's going to protect the rim a little better, uh, but but he's a backup uh, or or low level starting center, which he's proven to be. Uh, yeah, you know I, I don't know. I it probably doesn't ring my bell much to be honest with you. I just I just would prefer they go a little different direction. Jerry, do you feel like uh, uh, do you feel like even at his at his price tag and whatnot, he wouldn't be worth? I know you said that it's just because he's a a 12 minute a game player. You don't think that they could fit him uh, into different spots with, uh, with Sabonis? Well, they might could, I mean, it really depends on Sabonis. Uh, sure. he, you know, he's going, he can play one spot in one way. Now he can play a lot like Domas, you know, from the high post, he's a good passer, can't shoot a lick out there. So uh, he's not going to be a threat. I mean, Domas can make threes. We've seen that. I uh, probably ought to shoot more of them, but uh, I just think the price, I can't believe that the price wouldn't be fairly significant. You know, they, I mean, I think he's a proven good player. Uh, and, and so, so I, I, you know, until you know what you have to give up, but uh, if I'm going to give up something significant, I'd rather, I'd rather go another way. That's all I'd say. Sure. Tony, what do you think about the plum dog millionaire coming to Sacramento? I like Plum Lee as a backup center for this team. I do wonder if the Kings are going to be the best trade partner for the Hornets uh, because the price seems to be something around two second round picks and then a young player. And the Kings are in this weird position where I feel like Terrence Davis is not a good enough young player to attach to those picks. And Davion Mitchell is probably too good of a young player to attach to those picks. 
And so if the Kings best offer is two second round picks, uh, Rashawn Holmes's contract has to go somewhere. And Terrence Davis as like that little extra, I feel like a lot of teams can beat that because everyone has second round picks and you, they probably have a young player. They're more comfortable giving up uh, who's better than Terrence Davis. And Mitchell, I, I agree with Tim and Jerry in the previous uh, discussion on Vanderbilt. That's a player where you can start having the Davion Mitchell conversation. I'm just not ready to have that with Plum Lee. So if McNair can swing something where where you can get him for, for something that does not include Davion, then sure, I think it's a great option as a, as a backup center. But if it starts to, to dip into the Davion Mitchell asset, that's where I kind of back off and just go somewhere else. Yeah, we're all pretty aligned here. Plumlee would be a good fit. Um, he's averaging career highs in points, rebounds, and assists at 33 years, or he's about to be 33 years old, which is pretty impressive. As Jerry said, he plays just like Domas. I don't think he can play with Domas. He can't shoot. I just looked it up for fun. He's two for 41 career from three-point range. That's like 5%. Had fun with that one. Um, and he's also not a rim protector. And so that's something that you have to contemplate as well. He's not a particularly good shot blocker. Um, he, he, his opponents average uh, differential of negative 2% at the rim, which is basically awful for a center. Um, so what you would be doing is you would be replicating Domas essentially. And that's, that's okay. Then you could run the same kind of theoretical offense throughout the entire game, which there's, there's a nicety that consistency. Uh, but to everyone else's point, the cost is the question. Tony and I were talking about this privately earlier um, with some other Kings Herald members. Um, and I, I had mentioned Davion for Vanderbilt. And I said, but we can't afford Plumlee. And someone replied, well, we can afford Vanderbilt. Why can't we afford Plumlee? My response was, because I'm not giving up Davion for Plumlee. And so the Kings, their second round picks also aren't super valuable. Probably their most valuable second round pick they have is the Indiana 2023 second rounder. But Indiana's trying for the playoffs right now. So are, are they going to be a high second round pick or a mid second round pick? Other than that, it's a lot of sacks picks and then some picks pretty far in the future, Dallas, Portland, things like that. Um, if you can get them for Davis, Holmes, as many second rounders as Charlotte wants, great. If you can't move on. Um, Charlotte has to move him though. They, 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 they're terrible. I think they're the worst record in the league, if I'm not mistaken, there's no need for them to keep a 32 year old, 33 year old center on the team that could get them some assets. So if no one else is coming calling, sure, pick them up, but I'm in agreement with everyone else. I wouldn't give it a, a high quality asset for him. You know, I don't have to, I don't have to uh, watch a single minute of Mason Plumley to know that he can't shoot because on basketball reference, they list his position as center and they, they list which hand he shoots with. And it says, right. And it's been crossed out and it's his left. <laughs> yeah. so, that right there is how I know this man is not ambidextrous. He's neither dexterous. <laughs> yeah, he's... <laughs> Instead of ambi, he's anti. <laughs> yeah, he's anti-dextrous. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, uh, not lights out shooters, uh, Matisse Thibel is somebody who's been rumored to be uh, to be in the in the King's clutches a little bit here. Uh, Jerry, what do you what do you think about Monty McNair doing a deal with his old boss for a defender like uh, Matisse? I like Matisse. Uh, I think he's what he's something the Kings don't have a big uh, a, a defender that can defend wings, the six, five, six, 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 seven guys. The uh, Kings just don't have anybody quite like that. Uh, there again, I, I don't know what the Kings have that Philly would want necessarily to make that deal. Uh, but uh, I think he'd really help this team now. Having said that, I think he's a 10 or 15 minute player because he can't shoot really well enough either. Sure. But but I, I like as you're trying to build a team, it's nice to have a, a guy or two that in certain situations you have a chance to call a timeout and go out there and try to guard them. 
on a, on a need play late in the game. And, and uh, I don't feel like the Kings have that right now, at least, at least at that position. Is Matisse one of those guys, Jerry, that you could see? He's only 25. Is he a reclamation project that, like, hey, being being in a coaching staff like Mike Brown's and being around a player like Domas who's going to be able to find him a little bit more open in certain areas, do you think there's still a higher ceiling with Matisse, or is he kind of rounded out to where you feel like he's going to be in the league? Well, I mean, there, there's reason to believe he could be, but it's also true, and I've felt like over the years, when a guy gets to be 25, 26, he's – probably pretty close to what he is uh it doesn't mean he can't make uh you know some some key moves but uh, is he going to become Devin Booker overnight no that's not going to happen I mean you'd hope he can improve his shooting a little bit and like you say with a team like with Domas you know he he does cut well you know he moves without the ball and he doesn't and he's unselfish he he isn't looking to shoot a lot. So, I mean, it, I think his fit would be fairly easy. I, I just think though, you'd might be making a mistake if you're counting on him making some sort of big giant strides. I think you want to say, okay, we see what he is. Is, is this, is this enough? Is this sure. going to, is, is this, this guy as he is uh, at his age going forward, get a little better. Is it, is that enough? And so, but, but I sure, I sure like him. I think, uh, you know, he, he played a pretty big role on an awfully good team last year. Tony, explain to me how Matisse is going to be an all-star by this time next year. <laughs> if you give me enough time, Will, I might be able to find a road. Um, <laughs> I like Matisse a lot. I feel like Sacramento in the fan base in general has liked him a lot because we've been so defense starved. Um, I, I don't know what the cost to get him. It's so weird because I do think he's a useful player, but Philly keeps kind of telling us he's not that useful and they're a very good team. So it's it's kind of hard to gauge the value there. Uh, at the same time, um, if the Kings do something more aggressive like Trey Davion, then I go from just liking the idea of getting Thibault to loving it because he fits in a lot easier as a backcourt guy with Malik Monk. He can, pl- he can defend one through three, maybe even four in some weird circumstances. So there is definitely a need for a defensive player like him on this team right now. And I think even more so if they end up moving Davion in a bigger deal for Vanderbilt or someone else, then, then that becomes sort of a long-term defensive piece you can have on this roster. Um, because it's, it's hard to, hard to pile too much of those guys off the bench. The bench needs to score too. Uh, so that's where it gets a little tricky, but I, I do really like Thibel. I, I hope the Kings get him. He, if I had to power rank, all of the guys we're going to talk about today and who is most likely to be a King for whatever reason, I feel pretty good about that one. And uh, Philly could be a Rashawn Holmes destination. They've been looking for a backup for Joel Embiid. So, uh, and there's Korkmaz. If you add those contracts together, they get pretty close to home. So there's some ways McNair can make this work, especially with his, with his old pal, Daryl. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I would look forward to Thibel being here. And that would be kind of my, my top prediction as to who actually ends up in Sacramento at the end of this on Thursday. Tim, are you locked in on uh, Thibel as the most likely character to be, uh, to be added to this Kings drama? probably I'm, I'm th- i have a list here and i'm looking through it i think thibault is pretty likely uh, we haven't seen anyone else linked to thibault that i can think of as tony mentioned you got the relationship between the two gms um and i like thibault he's not he's not a perfect solution right so i'm a project manager in my real life job and so they talk about sometimes in project management like you know when you're starting a project it's like moving a room right like you're going to move out of a room 
move the big furniture first and then the boxes, then you sweep the dust over the corners. Like Thibault is not quite a big box. He's not quite sweeping the dust of the corners. He's like a mid-range move, <laughs> you know, some, somewhere along those lines. Um, the I looked up some stats on him. The Sixers are 8.4 points per 100 possessions better on defense with him. That's huge. That's a huge, huge, huge differential. I mean, that's like some of the best in the league. Um, but they're 4.2 points per 100 possessions worse with him on offense. So, you know, there's some balance there, right? So he's, he's better, he's better on defense than he is bad at offense, but there is a trade-off there. And the Kings bench has not been particularly good offensively for a lot of the season. Davion has struggled to shoot. Monk has struggled from deep a lot. Uh, Metu hasn't shown up much from deep. Lyles has probably been their best bench shooter, which is not something I would have predicted coming into the year. So that's just something you're going to have to balance. And maybe you need to make a secondary move, right, for a, a better bench shooter along with Thibel. You don't just have to make one move, right? It doesn't have to be in a vacuum. So maybe you move for Thibel and a, a wing shooter or a big shooter or whatever it is. Um, Philly doesn't really value him. He's playing a career low minutes. Of, I think it's around 12, 13 minutes per game. He's had several DNP CDs under Doc, especially in the beginning of the season. So his price feels low. Um, I, I would be surprised if Philly would trade for Holmes just because they have luxury tax concerns that they're trying to duck. So I think they're going to look for expiring contracts. Much again, we're going back to Terrence Davis. Uh, you know, would you give up a Trey Lyles for a Matisse Thibault? Because Lyles could do a lot of good for Philly, but he's also doing a lot of good for Sacramento. That's a tough one for me. I don't honestly, and this is surprising to me, I don't think I would give up Lyles for Thibault. Um, that's really? a hard call for me. Uh, but I think he's, I think Lyles is really, really important to our bench. Um, so He's also a restricted free agent. Kings would have full control, which I really like as well. He's 25 years old. He fits the timeline. So if the Kings can get it done for Davis or Metsu or someone along those lines, not quite a core rotation player and second round picks, then yeah, I, I think there's a good chance this thing gets done. I haven't really seen any other teams linked to him either. Jerry, he's making a little under four and a half million dollars. Is uh is 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 Trey Lyles a line for you? Would you would you trade a guy like Trey Lyles or what would your uh, what would your cost be for you? I sure like Trey Lyles. I, uh, I mean, if it's, I agree with Tim. I mean, if it's some, some other possibilities, I'd sure, I'd sure want to do, I'd do that. But I mean, I, I, I guess my problem is right now is I think Lyles needs to have a bigger role than he currently has. And I think he can handle it. You know, I, I'm probably a little outspoken in the sense that I think this team is never going to be particularly good defensively. Uh, so you might as well get as good offensively as you can get and play Lyles more at, as backup five. He's big and strong. He's big as, as met to and stronger and, and a really better basketball player, in my opinion. Uh, so, you know, I, I, that's, and he can damn sure shoot it, you know, and so stretches the floor, the whole thing. I, I, uh, no, if, it, if it's Davis, Metu, uh, Lynn, uh, uh, some seconds, uh, sure. I mean, there's there's deals to be made there. Uh, but I, I guess I, yeah, I, I would hate to do it. I would hate to do it with Lyles. I, I don't know that you'd be improving yourself. You, you'd, you'd be better in one area and worse in another. <laughs> Uh, so, so are there any other names uh, of guys that you have in mind that you guys think would be a particularly good fit uh, as additions to the Kings? I have a list here if you guys don't, but I'm curious as to who you guys see would be decent additions to the Kings that we haven't talked about already or who the Kings aren't necessarily rumored to be around right now. I've got a couple I can throw out there. Go ahead, Tim. Uh, 
two Spurs, Doug McDermott uh, and Richardson. I think either one would be really good additions. And Mc... Richardson is like your how I kind of ranked them in my mind is Thibault is full defense. Richardson is kind of in the middle of both. And McDermott is full offense, right? McDermott, 44, 41, 42% three-point shooter. Uh, that's all he's done in his whole career, and he does it really well, and that's all you need from him. Richardson's more a little bit smaller, 3 and D wing, um, who can, you know, 36, 37% three-point, can defend a little bit. And then, obviously, we, we talked about Thibault. So I would love to see the Kings link to either Spurs player. I think they're going to go for a relatively low price. I'm curious to see what everyone else thinks about those two. Well, I like Richardson a lot. I mean, I think he's a, almost a bucket. Uh, and, and McDermott's a great shooter. I mean, to me, McDermott's always been a, a, a basically junior varsity Kyle Corver, uh, you know, and uh, I'd, I'd want the real Kyle Corver, I think. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, you know, and his age, but, but yeah, he's a bucket getter. But I like Richardson. I think that there's upside there yet. Yeah, I think both of those players would help. That's one position Mike Brown has really been searching for is the the guy who can play in that Casey Opala or Terrence Davis backup three role. And to me, Richardson uh, or McDermott would both be some some pretty clear upgrades there, at least some consistency in that rotation. Because at this point, it's uh you're not getting a lot out of a, out of a backup wing in Sacramento right now. So, yeah, I I would be okay with uh with Dougie McBuckets. It's one of those things that like that would that would enable me to trade Trey Lyles for a Matisse Stiebel. Like if you could get if you could replace basically Trey Lyles goes to Philly for Matisse and then you get Doug McDermott out of it too. And you kind of replace one shooter with another shooter in Trey Lyles and McDermott can also play that small forward a little bit. I would, I would be okay with that because then you're not losing the shooting that Trey Lyles provides. Uh, Richardson, I agree with both you guys. He'd be, he'd be a, he'd be a fine addition to it as well. Um, Tim, I know there's another one that you, that you want to bring up. I know it's a big guy. He plays up North. He, uh, you, you've been talking about him for like a year now. You can go ahead and talk about him if you want to. I want you to tell me who it is, just so, it, so, just so I know you don't mean. It's Nas Reed. Yeah. Nas Reed is really, really interesting to me. He's I I don't think he's staying in many. He's, they have two all-star centers ahead of him. He wants 10 to 15 million a year, according to reports. Um, he's a really fluid player, I feel like. He's, he's kind of the opposite of Sabonis. He's not going to get you any assists, right? He's just like score kind of rebounder um he's a 34 percent career shooter from deep 23 years old going to be a restricted free agent um if the kings are looking to trend along their timeline and i looked this up earlier all of the acquisitions that mcnair has made from a non-salary filler standpoint since the sabonis trade they've all been like 24 and under right sabonis is the oldest at 25 26 then you've got herder murray monk lyles DiVincenzo when we had him right it's all young players and so Nas Reed fits that bill um, to kind of what we've been speaking to of, of teams undervaluing players and you're trying to go in and snatch those guys Nas Reed feels like that kind of player because he's been playing behind Cat and Gobert what can he do I know he wouldn't have that much more of an extended role in Sacramento but um, he's a guy that really really interests me um, not necessarily a rim protector either but he's got some instincts there and I, I just think when you're a team like the Kings, when you're trying to fill in those gaps, you know, you look for a team that's undervaluing a player at a position of need and you go grab that player. That's a Nas Reed for me. That's a Matisse Thibel for me. This is not a guy who necessarily has a huge market. Um, I think there will be a few teams. I think Philly's going to pursue Nas Reed pretty hard to get that cheap Joel Embiid replacement. They'll do a one-year rental for him. 
Um, but anytime you can go chase someone like that, I think it's worth it. And I think that also is kind of definitive of what Monty McNair has done in the past. And I, I think Nas Reed really, really fits well with Sacramento. Jerry, I'm curious. Uh, we've been holding a candle for this guy for a little while. He's another center from Orlando, Mo, Mo Bamba. Any hope there that, that, that Mo makes it to the Sacramento Kings at the deadline, Jerry? Well, you know, he certainly they'd like to trade him. Uh, we know that they, they got basically they're not playing him and they've got so many guys. And I, I think he'd be a good fit. I know he hasn't, you know, it's at, and that a lot of people would say, well, you finally went off the rocker, you old fart, but, <laughs> but I mean, he's not playing, but I mean, he can block shots and he can make threes. And I mean, just from the standpoint that he fits better with Domas, sure. uh, you know, in, in a, 12, 15 minute role. I, I think that's why he'd be intriguing to me, uh, you know, uh, that, and, you know, with, with, uh, you know, Orlando, he doesn't, they don't really want that. And so, so, so on that basis, yeah, I, I, you know, and I think you could get him at the right price, you know, and, and, he, and, and the way I look at it, he's still young and, and I guarantee you, he will not shrink for a long time. And so, <laughs> He's, he's a big, long guy. And I, so I think there's a reason he was picked where he was picked. It was a mistake to be picked that high, but uh, I just think that's the kind of guy you, you might want to take a chance on if the price isn't too high, and I'm pretty sure it won't be. Tony, who are you holding the candle for? Who you got at the deadline that, that could be a sneaky move? I've got three names that I, I like. I'll throw out the least appealing one now just because he's been in so many rumors, but I still got a little something for Cam Reddish just as the backup wing. You can throw a flyer out there on. Is he something? Maybe not, probably not, but the cost is so cheap that I view him as like the, I don't know, the lowest level of move that I would be even a tiny bit excited about. It's just another wing option to throw out there in that Oak Paula or Terrence Davis role that might be a little bit more interesting. But the two names that I that I like a lot are uh, Chris Boucher, who I've been a huge fan of in Toronto for a while now. Uh, someone that definitely can play with Sabonis pro- would probably be the best defender the Kings could put out there next to Sabonis. Definitely the best rim protector. He's not a great shooter, but he's not a non-shooter. Like he he tries to shoot threes, they just don't go in frequently enough. But Toronto should be selling is probably selling. Boucher doesn't make a lot of sense for them to keep around if they are selling. So uh, I'd love to get him in Sacramento. The cost might be a little little too high. Uh, other center I really like is Isaiah Hartenstein on the Knicks. Um, the Knicks have a lot of centers, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Jericho Sims, Julius Randle. There's only so many big guys you can play there. Hartenstein has been very good for the Knicks recently. So it's bad timing, I guess, for the deadline or good timing. If you're the Knicks, they probably could have got him cheaper maybe a month ago, but uh, interesting kind of note there. McNair's staff is the team that drafted him in Houston uh, back in 2018, 2019. So McNair is definitely familiar with Hartenstein and he's kind of a, the perfect He's kind of the plum, the player that I want Plumlee to be, where he has some of the passing skills and offensive skills that Sabonis has, but he's a much more interesting defender and rim protector. So that's kind of my uh, my three guys we haven't mentioned yet that I that I do kind of like list. Hey, let me ask you guys a question: uh, What's your thoughts on Jay Crowder? Jerry, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> a Go good... ahead. Go ahead, Tony. Go ahead. I I my things with Jay Crowder is more: Is he going to fit on the team? chemistry wise than on the court i think he'll probably be pretty good on the court but i don't know jerry would you add that personality to what the kings have going right now probably wouldn't probably yeah. wouldn't i think they're you know i think he's looking i think he's got a exaggerated opinion of himself which is not unusual i mean yeah. most do but 
But I mean, just with what's happened, sadly, I think he's got the kind of skill set and the mentality and the toughness that would really be a an upgrade. But uh, no, I, I I'd be scared of it. I'd be scared of it. You know, he he's he wants. I'm sure he's thinking about in terms of a new. $15 million a year, three or four year deal on a contender. And uh, so, so, but anyway, I, I like him as a player. I, I don't like what he's doing now, you know, that sort of thing. But of course, you know, my, you guys know my favorite and, and I know there's no way of getting him. Uh, Bobby Portis. I, I will not, I will, I will not die a happy contented death until uh, the Kings. Cause I just think if there's ever a, perfect guy to fit in with domas yeah. that's it right there <laughs> tim tim what do you think about the uh six six small forward power forward that's currently playing for uh, the phoenix suns would, would that be something you give up much for no i think as the kids say vibes right i think the vibes would be off with crowder um I, from what i understand i haven't followed the story that closely he was mad because he wasn't going to start for a western conference contending team right and uh, as a Western Conference, hopefully contending team, I don't know if I want to trade for him to not start for me. That's that's a scary proposition. Maybe he would accept the role. I don't know. Maybe he sat there for 50 games now. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool if I could play. Uh, but and then if he struggles, right? If he if you know if he just doesn't play well, and you gotta you gotta cut his minutes, what does that look like for us down the road? What does that do to our locker room? Um, I liked I liked the idea of Crowder at the beginning of the year, especially when Barnes was really struggling. Now that our starting lineup is fully set and they are a very, very good starting lineup in the NBA, I'm not looking to bring a guy off the bench for 15 minutes a game who might wreck things in my locker room. Um, just I'll add one other point to something Jerry said earlier. He talked about, you know, rim protecting center who can stretch the floor. Don't don't say Dwayne Tedman, please. Don't I don't even Dwayne. need to say the name. I don't even need to say the name. See, you all knew where I was going with that. So, oh. uh, but I had to get that in there. Uh, okay. but no, I'm I'm out on Jay Crowder. Tony, you can edit that part out. I have no problem with you just cutting Tim out of this episode completely. Will, can I throw a name at you? Sure, as absolutely. The, uh, as the resident Oklahoma City Thunder uh, correspondent, James Hamm, say... I think was the one that repo- reported the the Kings' interest in Darius Baisley. So, uh, any interest there? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that uh, you knew at the beginning of the season that he he was had to be extended by a certain date, and it was kind of this thing in Oklahoma City where it's like, oh, is he going to be, you know, is he going to get that 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 option picked up? And he wasn't, and you could tell he was annoyed by it. Uh, he's six eight. He's a power forward. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything, but he's not great at any one thing just yet. He's he's one of those guys I'd take a flyer on. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure Tim with all the numbers in his head can tell you whether or not I'm sure you'd get bird rights with him and whatnot, but he's an, he's an interesting player. If, if not a good player quite yet. I mean, he was incredibly useful for OKC the last couple of years when they were trying to tank, which is always kind of the, uh, are you just sending a guy out there? Like, yeah, go go ahead and take 15 shots tonight. Like it's not going to hurt us at all. We're going to get Chet Holmgren at the end of this, or is this a guy who, who deserved 15 shots a night and, and, and Mark Daniel is one of those guys that I think wants to run a tight ship, regardless of whether they're tanking. You know, he's, I'm, I'm looking at his stats now. He's, he's shooting 40% from three on one and a half attempts. Uh, when he was taking five attempts a game, he was shooting 30%. Like, so he can like, like Tony, like you were mentioning, like he takes, he takes three sometimes. He doesn't, he doesn't make them nearly as much as, as <laughs> like, but like, is there, a, is there a player there? I think there's a player there. I think he's one of those guys that needs a, 
uh, a rescue job. But uh, I also don't know, like if this if this team right now had twenty wins instead of thirty wins, I would be like, go get him. He's he's the type of guy you want to go after. But where the Kings are sitting at the third spot right now, you're we're focusing on a different type of player. Like Jerry wouldn't be asking about Jay Crowder if the Kings were twelfth in the West right now. Jerry's asking no. about Jay Crowder because like there's a shot here to win a playoff yeah. series. And so does Darius Baisley win you a playoff series coming off the bench? No. But would he would he be a nice flyer for a team that's gonna wind up mid lottery? He'd have been great for that. I did a player that I would certainly do before Baisley. And I mean, and it's just because of where the Kings are and the desire to get a good playoff spot, a short term thing is Kelly Olenek. Yeah. I think, I think he'd fit very well. I mean, I never thought I'd ever say those words, but, (laughs) uh, but you know, I mean, the guys are, and I know from a lot of people that he's a good teammate you know, he's an unselfish guy and can make shots and got a little shit bird in him. Yes. Uh, and, and this team needs a little more shit bird out there. Uh, so uh, anyway, and I know that, that they're looking to probably move him. So yeah. it'd be a short, it'd be a short term fix. I get that. And it would, but sometimes a short term fix is nice. I don't know if this guy, I don't know if this guy would necessarily fit. I, I was trying to squeeze him in any way possible, but uh I know Portland's been talking about moving Josh Hart and Josh Hart's one of those guys that I feel like would be a really good, like I would rather, even though he's only six, five, if we're going for like a small forward, like Josh Hart is one of those guys that he's six, five, but he rebounds like a, like a big guy. He's just, he's, he's got some shit burn in him too, Jerry, that I would, yes. I don't know where he'd fit on the Kings, but I would love to have him on the team regardless. He's a winner. That guy's a, that guy's a, yeah, you, there's no team that couldn't use him to yeah. some way. Okay, so I've got a couple of questions. Uh, me and Tim put out calls for a mailbag, and um, obviously we're not going to get to it before the trade deadline. So we're going to answer some of those questions. Jerry, I'm going to give you a chance to answer some of our mailbag questions here, and okay. I've got a couple that I can save for for our post for our post trade deadline show. So we'll uh, but a couple here. Um, so Adam Site asked um, with Toronto supposedly wanting multiple first round picks for OG Ananobi, uh, who isn't even an All Star. Did the Rudy Gobert trade completely tip the scales for GMs to have rational expectations and player values? And then he mentions, hell, the Hornets apparently want a first rounder for Miles Plumley or Mason Plumley. Well, uh, did it uh, tip the scales for other GMs? I don't think so. I, I think there's just basically that's a that's an outlier. <laughs> and I think uh, the more people have looked at that, the the uh, the worse it looks. And the least likely people to follow in that path, I think, for a, a, a basically a very talented, low post, five foot around center, uh, which is, I mean, really, the Utah Jazz, their rookie, Walker Kessler, may be as good right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's credit to Danny Ainge, of course. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not as big a fan of. Oh, uh, Ananobi is a lot of people. And I think a lot of it for me is, you know, the price that you hear, and I think they're looking for, and uh, is availability. Sure. You know, I mean, it's like, shoot, I, I mean, I don't know. And, and I mean, to me, he's a Harrison Barnes type that I don't believe is as good as Harrison Barnes. That's, that's just, I'll just let it go with that. 
somebody's going to throw a tomato at you in the next couple of days, Jerry. But it won't I know they will. I know they will, <laughs> and and I deserve it probably. But time will tell. I mean, I I do think that that he's a guy that I liked quite a bit a couple of years ago. But uh, you know, it's it's just like a lot of these guys, and and I'd be interested in Tim's thoughts on this too. But even you know, guys like Bradley Beal always talk people talking about, boy, when's he going to demand out? Out of what? Fifty million dollars a year? That who wants to take that on when he plays about half the time? I mean, give me a break. You know, uh, he's not healthy. He's not leading them anywhere. You know, I mean, I okay, I'll get, uh, I'll quit. I'm off my soapbox. No, Tim, Tim, get on the soapbox. Let's hear what you have to say about OG. Uh, well, first, I, I just want to address the the trade value question i think i don't think the rudy gobert trade has has altered trade values i think the play-in tournament has altered trade values not as many teams are tanking more teams are trying to compete which creates a a seller's market right so this year how many teams are tanking three or four normally there's seven or eight you have a you have a generational player maybe two of them available this draft and you've got three or four teams trying for them right now so i think the fact that there's fewer sellers more buyers has, has kind of escalated the trade market as far as og goes good player uh i think he could i think he could fit really nicely on the kings i think he would but not for the price the raptors are, are talking about the raptors have still not figured out if they're sellers or buyers what they're doing with this team that is wildly underperforming um i put out a, a twitter poll the other day about would you trade keegan in a piece for og and i think it was four thousand votes with 92 percent no and i agreed with the no um the kings don't have another piece other than keegan that they could even offer in an og trade that the raptors would hear so I'm completely out on that trade in any way, shape, or form, um, assuming the price is what what it has been rumored. Okay, so Andy Sims asks, um, barring the type of trade that drastically alters Sacramento's cap situation going into the summer, how highly prioritized should the resigning of our expiring players be? He mentioned specifically Barnes, Lyles, and Davis. Um, and then says, uh, with the salary cap rising, what do you even think that a yearly salary for Barnes in particular might look like through, say, the 26-27 season? Mm. Go ahead, Tim. I can jump into the cap stuff a little bit. Um, Harrison Barnes is going to be the linchpin for the Kings summer, whether they extend him or re-sign him. If they let Barnes walk, which feels unlikely, but it could happen, they could they could rustle up $18, $19 million in cap space but their roster would be pretty trimmed at that point. I think they're going to end up extending or re-signing Barnes. Um, I would theorize or, or kind of my comfort zone would be around 18 million a year about what he's making now. We are going to see the cap jump a little bit. Um, $18 million of $132 million salary cap doesn't feel too bad for me for starting power forward, small forward combo. Um, as far as re-signing players, this is something I've, I've kind of been emphasizing in my discussions with tradable players is do you have team control of that player moving forward? Because the teams are, the Kings are going to probably be over the cap for the foreseeable future. You got the Sabonis re-signing coming up in a couple of years. Obviously Fox is making a lot of money. Um, if you re-sign Barnes, he's going to be making a decent chunk. So anyone they, they acquired probably needs to not be rental um, without some sort of bird rights, early bird rights, RFA rights, whatever it is that you can re-sign them. So just an example, Richardson, we were talking about from the Spurs earlier. You have no rights to him if you trade for him. He's an unrestricted free agent. You're going to have to use cap space or an exception to re-sign him. Whereas like a Plumlee, you've got bird rights. So um, I think the Kings, as they pursue these players, I think something that Monty McNair is going to have in the back of his mind in this front office is going to have in the back of his mind and something that hasn't been discussed a lot is that they need players with team or contract control, whether that's restricted free agent rights 
or some sort of I can go over the cap to keep this guy. Um, the Kings are only going to have their mid-level exception, their their biannual exception this offseason to add guys. So whoever you're trading for this deadline, you probably need to see in your next two to three year future. Um, so that's kind of where I sit with it. As far as Barnes' salary goes, Lyles, I would really like to re-sign as well. Um, I think you can get him relatively cheap. Davis, I am completely neutral on. I, I, he's fine to keep. He's fine to walk. I, I don't have a strong opinion on him. But Barnes is, is certainly important to keep because if you let him walk for cap space, I'm not sure you're getting anyone as good as him for that cap space. Well, I, I agree with pretty much what Tim has said there. I, I mean, I certainly, with getting back to the Barnes thing, because I think that is a, a key, key player. And I honestly, one of those rare people, I think, that feel that Harrison may have uh, two or three of his best years ahead. Uh, uh, and certainly a locker room guy. And, you know, the number... If I could, I mean, the only thing I would do if I could to, to keep Harrison would start him high and move it down, you know, uh, start at, you know, if you say you had to start at 20 and go to 18, 16, something like that uh, for three years, uh, some uh, deal like that. I'm not saying that would do it, but I, I, that would be a range of which I think would be worth discussing and the manner to discuss it. And I mean, he, he, he would have a, a lot of some interest or quite a bit of interest on the open market, but I don't know that, uh, you know, when teams are looking to pay somebody or, or to use their cap space, most of them aren't saying number one, our number one priority is get Harrison Barnes. So, so I, I think, I think you, you always, you know, you always have to look at it that way, not uh, as well. Know, know the league and the temperature. Tony, what do you think? Monty McNair is riding a, a string of really smart, good basketball moves. There are a lot of good vibes from the fan base. I think not trading Harrison Barnes at the deadline, which I don't expect them to do, and then losing Harrison Barnes in free agency would be a, a pretty big bummer to me, a, a pretty uh, fair point of criticism for, for Monty because he's a, he's a super valuable player. You can't control unrestricted free agents that much, but like Jerry said, Teams are going to want him, but cap space teams are probably not going to spend crazy on Harrison Barnes. There's just not that many uh, teams with that amount of room anyways, and he shouldn't be their top priority. So Barnes is, is about as essential as it gets for the Kings heading into this offseason if they do keep him past the deadline. Uh, it's just a, it's a player McNair has to keep. It's It would be a very disappointing step backwards to get nothing out of that salary and production if he just walks in free agency. So uh, and the Kings have, have gambled like this before. They did it with Rashawn Holmes. Um, they kept him through the deadline and they were able to re-sign him at the number they liked. So I'm hoping if McNair does keep Barnes, which I expect him to, he has some confidence, some understanding that he's going to be able to keep him beyond this year. Okay. Well, that's what we've got for uh, for uh, the pre, pre-trade pre deadline uh, podcast in terms of uh, chain mail. We've got some other questions that I want to ask post-trade deadline, but we'll uh, we'll get to those when we get to them. Sacramento Electronic Supply now has stock on Trendnet switches, 5 to 18 port gigabyte power over Ethernet switches for all your networking and camera needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Hey, or visit them online 24-7 at www.com. Sackelect.com. Tony, why don't we roll over to you for the Patreon question of the day? Start wrapping this up. 
All right. Thanks, Will. Uh, on every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can subscribe at patreon.com slash King's Herald. Uh, you can submit questions there. You can do it over Twitter. You can do it on the podcast post on the website, um, whatever you want. This question today came from Mike's tweeting account, and it has nothing to do with the deadline, but it's an interesting topic that I don't think we've actually touched before. So I'm, I'm interested to hear everyone's answer. Uh, Mike asks, what's your favorite basketball book? I just read the Jordan rules and the rivalry, Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain, and the golden age of basketball. Yes, I read Jerry's book too. It needs a sequel. <laughs> Thanks. So I guess we'll start with Jerry. Jerry, do you have one favorite basketball book? You know what? I, I don't. I've got, I mean, I've got a lot of favorites and I've just ordered three new ones. Uh, you know, I like, I'm a little off the wall there. Uh, but years ago, a guy named Terry Pluto, uh, I think he writer out of uh, Cleveland, wrote a book basically about the old ABA and, and uh, you know, some, some of the travails and, <laughs> and the uh, merger and all that sort of thing. And I just really enjoyed that, uh, you know, knew some of the participants. So that, that would be a favorite. And then, of course, uh, uh, John Wooden's book, uh, anything John Wooden wrote out you know he's my hero as a coach and person I got to meet him and and just uh such a deed to any uh, young coach for sure I mean it has nothing to do with the NBA but any young coach ought to read John Wooden's books I mean it is way better than anything you're getting uh so-called modern <laughs> the guy the guy you know he, he got every bit of it so that would be my two thoughts Tim, do you have a, uh, a favorite basketball book or recommendation? I've got a couple. I was actually, my high school coach uh, grew us up on the Pyramid of Success by Wooden. So shout out <laughs> to uh, Paul and, and James Brown. Um, but a couple of more modern books for me, Basketball and Other Things is a book I really, really enjoyed by Shea Serrano. Um, and then I don't really enjoy his takes, especially on Darren Fox these days, but the Book of Basketball by Bill Simmons uh, is also one of the one Ooh. of the best basketball books I've ever read. So uh, a couple of my favorites there. Yeah, I've got the book of Bill Simmons here. I, I just do. Yeah, that's that's fabulous. Yeah. You know, Bill's obviously, as Tony would know, he's a little biased toward the Celtics, which uh, so am I. So am I when it comes yeah. to Bird. But uh, yeah, he's, he's a little over the top there. Will? Yeah, if, I mean, this is a this is obviously not a visual medium, but for everyone here, these are all basketball books right here for me. And I've got Jerry's right behind me where you can see that. So uh, I've talked about this book before, but my favorite of all time is called, uh, it's called Hoop Roots. It's John Edgar Weidman. It's about a guy who's, uh, whose body's breaking down. He's getting a divorce and he's kind of like thinking about like his life and how basketball has affected it over his life living in Pittsburgh. It's an incredibly beautiful bit of writing. It's a, it's a little sad. It's, 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 it's more about his life than it is, uh, strictly about basketball or like teaching specific things but it's it's just basically how basketball weaves in and out of your life and how much it means to you and at some point you just get to the point where like you've taken your last jump shot or you've played your last game of pickup ball and just the uh, the feelings around that it's it's gorgeous and as somebody who once tore their achilles and felt like he was never going to play again it, it it's a great read but it, it's it's not one that you uh, you take lightly uh I've got uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's book on Co Coach Wooden and Me. That was a, a wonderful little book about Kareem's relationship with John Wooden. Uh, we're all we're all John Wooden tonight. Um, but I, I would I would say uh, I would throw Jerry's in there as well, just because as as a kid going through a Jerry, I found your book at a thrift store, 
And, oh, did you? Yeah, it was the most exciting thing I've ever found at the thrift store in Redding, California. I was I immediately just I snatched it off. I'm like, it's mine. Uh, there's no. Uh, I pulled out a bunch of ones, paid for it. So, so. Uh, uh, but Jerry's is one of those ones that, at a time when I couldn't get on the internet and read about what had previously happened, I could I could read in Jerry's book, and and so. That's how I kind of grew up with that extra little bit of history on the Kings was was Jerry's writing. So Jerry's absolutely getting a mention there too. There you go. Uh, the only thing I would add, and I'm not a huge reader, but maybe this is this is why this book is important to me. Um, growing up, I I was an awful reader. Never never uh, really completed any book reports or summer reading until a librarian handed me Tears of a Tiger, which is a, a throwback. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. It's a it's a book about basketball, but not really about basketball. It's obviously more of a of a kids high school age level book. So if you're not interest, interested in reading and you're a young basketball fan and you want an easy read, it's about a, a kind of a dark subject, I guess. But it's a really easy book to read. So if you're like me and and kind of bad at reading and uh, bad at focusing on on one book at a long time, go try go try Tears of a Tiger, um, and that's my recommendation. Tony, the way you set that up, I swear you were going to say the novelization of Airbud. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh no, oh here we go, oh no. Okay, Jay, let's uh, let's roll over you to uh, for the Reynolds wrap up for tonight. Well, you know, the only thing I, I think, of course, number one is we got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, and uh, my son Jay, who's a huge Chiefs fan, has told me that I'm not welcome at his house to watch the game because of. <laughs> The last time I was there for a big, big playoff game or Super Bowl, they lost. So as as uh, those of you that are parents or soon to be or whatever, this is what you get. This is what you get. Uh, so uh, so my, my feelings will be uh, they were hurt a little bit, but I told him, I said, I'm a little triggered. But if the Chiefs can win, then I'll be happy with that because I'm a big Chiefs fan, too. It's, as I've told you guys, a total front runner. And uh and then the last thought, and, and I just I mentioned this earlier, but I just kind of following the, the league every night, but I'm just so scared of about five teams behind the Kings that are starting to play better. And I noticed the Tim or the uh, Pelicans tonight had a big win. Uh, you know, Valanchunas played, Ingram played, uh, of course, Zion hadn't played yet. And so Boy, the Kings, when they come home, and I mean, they've got to start taking care of home court. That's, you know, that's not a big, that isn't, isn't anything anybody doesn't know, but they haven't done a good job of that, really. And I think that's, uh, they've just got to find a way, and hopefully Monty can come up with something to maybe give them a little boost here at trade deadline, as some of the things Tim and Tony and you guys have talked about Uh but uh, I, I'm just afraid if they don't, I, I just, I'm just, I just, I don't think I can handle not being in the top eight. I think I'm too, too, I'm too mentally fragile at this point of my life. Uh, well, on, uh, on behalf of uh, Tony and Tim and Jerry, I want to thank you guys for listening to uh, another episode of the King's Herald show. Uh, Tim, I want to especially thank you for coming on tonight and, uh, and sharing all your, all your wisdom and terrible Dwayne Dedman takes with us. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. It was a pleasure to be here, and I, I won't mention him anymore tonight. <laughs> that's because yeah, I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Jerry, Tony, I will see you guys um, after the deadline. We'll we'll talk about all the things that did or didn't happen in Kingsland, as well as the rest of the NBA in terms of uh, 
of uh, who came out on top, uh, who uh, who screwed up their season, and uh, where the Kings uh, lay in all of that post deadline. So uh, thank you all for for listening, and uh, and we'll see you in a bit.